0: Hey guys, welcome to Search for Truth. I'm your host, James Wagner. Today we got to talk with Susan Malik. And it was such an amazing experience talking with her. She has been through so much in her life. It's like actually incredible. I mean, from traumatic experiences and growing up in in or around a cult and surviving so much trauma. I mean, really, really, really impactful on her life and everybody she helps. She's also a coach. So you know, we got down to the the deep philosophical ideas about life. Super fun episode. Enjoy, guys. This is awesome. Thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Excellent. So um, I met you through Carolina. Mm -hmm. And she was on the show previously. Yeah. So listeners might kind of remember that as well. I do. Yeah, and uh, so tell me a little bit about, um, I know you're kind of taking a sort of hiatus from coaching. You have other things going on.
1: Well, I do, but I never really take a hiatus. I'm just like, I'm always coaching. So I still always have coaching clients. It's just that I'm not pursuing it like as a business as much right now. Um, but that doesn't mean if the perfect client comes along that I won't take that client. So I am, I am a coach mm-hmm. and I focus on, it's mostly spiritual based coaching, but it's personal development and it is helping people overcome overwhelm mm. and I have uh, after much analysis and much overwhelm in my own life I realized that I was following a process and it was just four steps and I did the process over and over again and that's what I teach people in my coaching.
0: Oh wow, amazing. So did that process come to you organically?
1: So. I, I, had, um, I had a pretty trauma-filled life, you know, uh, growing up in an indigent family and um, with very little education early on. Uh, you know, my, neither of my parents had formal education, but um, they, they were um, very, we were very poor growing up. So, and there was lots of trauma because I had uh, like alcoholic father and mm. my mother was in a, an abusive relationship. He was very abusive. So that was kind of my early upbringing. And then um, of course, when you don't have that good foundation, you tend to attract broken people into your life. Okay. <laughs> so, so I went through that and, um, but I always had this voracious appetite for learning and understanding things ever since uh-huh. I was very young. So, but that didn't stop me from attracting all the overwhelm.
0: Right. right. <laughs> um,
1: right of course. You know, you could be very well educated and still attract lots of overwhelm <laughs> and which is what I did. So through that process of, you know, my spiritual growth and development and, um, I realized later on as the years went on that, you know, I'm kind of doing the same thing I always do to get out of the, the pain that I was feeling, the overwhelm that I was feeling. So, and I developed a four-step process. So that's kind of how it happened for me. And I also was, uh, I kind of used it in the workplace as well.
0: Oh, wow. So, I mean, it sounds like you were going through, had all of this trauma. Um, I mean, the situation you were in, the people you were around, the, I mean, stacked. (laughs) Yeah, it it was was, stacked. Yes. Yeah. That's like, talk about an overwhelming situation to kind of bring it full circle. Right. And of course, your like absolute appetite for education combined with, you know, uh, necessities and mother invention, as they say. So combined with that, of course, you'd so you'd create this really effective process, really just to probably move forward in your life.
1: Yeah, and I did, and I kind of I kind of had practice coaching in, a, in an organic way, surprising way actually. Mm-hmm. I I worked um, in the corporate environment, and I'd moved up the the ladder there, and uh, people, my employees, would come to me with you know their issues, and we would talk about it, and. You know, we would always be able to work it out so that they had some good, solid action items around that. And that went on for, you know, years. And then people wow. outside the department w- started to hear about, you know, what I was doing with my employees. And they were like, Can I come and see you? <laughs> so so um, I, I started my coaching practice really while I was still working. And it kind of grew within the confines of my job. And I still had all my job yeah. responsibilities, but I had all these people scheduling meetings with me. And uh, that's where I really learned. I've always had the, the, the heart for helping others and supporting them, mm. but uh, that's really when I learned the love of coaching. Wow,
0: it sounds like it was such an organic process too
1: it it was and you know it always gives you energy when you're doing what it is that you really enjoy doing or maybe what your your purpose is so you follow your energy and then
0: oh i love that
1: you grow into that mm-hmm.
0: and energy for you was kind of coming at a premium as well wasn't it was it? i mean having it gone was. through all of that stress and then that sort of manifested itself into more more severe situations to really get you to kind of you know pay attention and and move forward with these things right
1: yeah and i think part of that was in my personal life i i didn't receive i didn't receive
0: well full stop yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: so if if you don't get the and, and honestly you have to learn to give to yourself before you can receive from others. Mm, so true. But I think what I had done, I set myself up and and I was a I was a young mom. I I married really young. I had four children and then later a fifth one and um then but I never had much support. I oh, wow. was the fixer and the responsible. I had the responsibility for everything. I had two jobs. I had, oh my God. I, my you know, I had, well, I had two businesses and a full-time job as well. And, um, and I was extremely determined and uh, career focused and mm. very nurturing to everyone else. And, and not that I have a lot of, had a lot of time, but I, I had the responsibility and carried that responsibility on my shoulders almost completely with very little assistance from my partner. Mm. So um, it, it took its toll physically after years of doing that. And my it, it, and even though I had the intuition that there's gotta be something more. So I wasn't happy in the job that I was doing, even though I enjoyed working with people and I found this little subset that really gave me energy, like the, the coaching within the, the corporate oh, okay. world. That was my calling, and I kept ignoring it because I mean, I had five children, yeah, and I was the breadwinner primarily. Oh my and God. if I gave that up, what was going to happen? Oh, wow! So I didn't have faith. So the universe decided <laughs> 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 that okay, you've been doing this long enough, it was nearly 20 years, oh so. My God. I manifested a big time illness, <laughs> and it wasn't. It was one of those illnesses where you go to, and I went to twenty six doctors without a diagnosis.
0: Oh my god! Um, that's
1: right, yeah. And um, it was just pain. It was abdominal pain, and I could not sit up. And it makes sense because um, I wasn't sharing. I wasn't nurturing to the self, and where where does that energy center lie it's right there in your gut. So.
0: Oh, wow. I mean, my God, that's like, <laughs> first off the childhood and all the, the, all of that, the trauma and the stress and the, the, you know, and growing, growing in poverty, which of course, you know, makes you feel like you need to work hard and excel. Yeah. And then getting married at so young and having you have all the responsibility for everything. So you say you had four or five kids. Really, it sounded like it was five or six because you were yeah, taking care yeah. of him too. <laughs> yes. mean, my and, God! And
1: yes, that's true. It it's true. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. And through all that, though, I'm seeing, you know, all of this wonderful things that came from it. You know, you were able to understand your purpose in life. And so, where are you with with health now? Is it still this this pain?
1: You You know, I think that when when it, it now acts as a red flag for me. Oh, wow. So It's really interesting. Um, I still struggle with a few things because, you know, it took about four or five years for recovery. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really start my um, in earnest recovery until probably 20, 2014. So that's when I checked myself into a fasting clinic where you water fast for, 40 days. <laughs> so,
0: Whoa, that's intense. Whoa.
1: Um but I was desperate at that point cuz oh, no one could help me. 26. So I checked my Yeah. Yeah, so I checked myself into a fasting clinic in California. I just like re- yeah. I resigned and I I uh, I got my daughter who was 10 or 11 at the time and I I took her out of school and I enrolled her in a homeschool curriculum and she went with me and Wow, and we went to that clinic, and they accommodated us both. And um, I was I was there, and um, yeah, it, it it helped me, but then I went mm. back into the same situation that I had been in. Oh, right. And of course. so you know, it, it wasn't enough that I'd manifested all of this pain, mm. and. Um, I had to go back into that again because my desire to provide was so strong. Right, of course. So strong.
0: Yeah, that must have been such a deep-seated belief.
1: Yeah, well, and it wasn't that I had a lot of financial responsibilities, and I In just, you know, I I couldn't I couldn't see myself letting go of that. So that's what prolonged my healing, I think. Oh, right. Course. If I had just been a good student <laughs> and followed the, my intuition of, you know, resting and mm. you know, just allowing things to be and knowing that everything was okay, then I, I would have gotten out of that. So to answer your question on that, from that long tangent is yeah. my health is, is good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Good. it's not excellent the way that i want but it will be and i know oh, that love that i know that because of the lessons have been so powerful mm. so powerful and i am now willing to trust <laughs> but it was a hard road it's really and you know it still pops up for me sometimes like this focus and desire to really um, take on the world sure yeah yeah
0: Yeah, of course. And that's, I mean, that's not only within your unique situation, but also very raw in our culture. Yes. Um, This, this need to, to move forward, succeed, prove ourselves. And also the absolute obsession with independence. Right. I can stand on my own. Whereas really we're very interdependent species just as in general. Well, we're supposed to be. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so you were saying that your intuition, you say, like, if you were to listen to your intuition, maybe the healing process would have been different. Yeah. So what did that what did that look like? You were feeling a sensation or hearing or knowing and then Everything. ignoring it? Oh, wow. All Everything, of it. Oh, and wow.
1: I was ignoring it all. I mean, oh I'd God. always been drawn to. So when I was a very young child, I was two or so, hmm. I had a near-death experience. Oh, wow. And my grandmother... <laughs> And the, oh, yeah, these yeah. these big, it was like a 57 Buick. It was one of those huge black cars. Boat, and, essentially, yeah. um, I decided while she was backing up that I wanted to follow my mother into back into the house because she had forgotten something. And I opened the door and the, the door knocked me under the vehicle. And my grandmother backed oh. over top of me. And then she panicked so much that she ran over me again. Oh, my God. <laughs> And then uh, you know you're not supposed to move a victim like that, and she picked yeah. me up and ran down the road with me. And
0: oh, but no, it,
1: no. interestingly no. enough, um, my memory of that um, had always been seeing it. I could see it happening, not realizing that was not a normal perspective. What do you mean seeing so, it happening? Um, so as 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 if I was witnessing it. So I was out of my oh, body wow. watching. This happened. I could see my mother come out, and you know, I mentioned that to her one time. I saw her coming out of the house, and she's screaming, mm-hmm. and um, she's like, "You were unconscious. How could you've seen that?"
0: <laughs> right, right. So uh,
1: when the ambulance finally did come, I I had this man with me, and he kind of communicated with me, and I felt very calm. And he was different than um, all of the other people that were there. Oh, but, wow. with and, you
0: from this observational perspective, or with you? well, he was body. there
1: with me from that observational perspective.
0: Whoa, really?
1: Yeah, yeah. And wow. he was kind of like a golden-looking man. He had he, you know, I describe him now as like a just. He looked normal, like a regular human would look, oh, okay. but he was kind of golden. Oh wow! So, um, but he was there with me, Incredible. and he he communicated with me without talking, like without mm-hmm. his mouth moving, and so. But from that time, from the time I was very small, I always had this really keen sense of intuition. And I would freak my mother out and I would tell her, oh, this is going to happen. And it would. And she was yeah, like, was. how did you know that? <laughs> so I had, or, you know, she would think, be thinking something and oh, I've not told anybody that. How did you know that? So, oh, um, wow. and it was very keen from the time I was really young. And, and that's kind of bad too <laughs> when you're experiencing trauma. <laughs> um, Oh, it just wow, kind of right. escalates it a little but
0: oh, I see right being able to see further into what's happening oh right. my goodness wow
1: right but um so that sense of intuition was it was strong and as I got older I pushed it away more and more because oh, it felt wow. very sensitive and raw mm-hmm. and and um another part of my story is that I grew up in a christian fundamentalist cult (laughs) oh
0: god let's just add to the list
1: (laughs) so it it wasn't cool to have that type of intuition because of course you know the whole basis for for that type of religious practice is that you're going to do what you're told and you can't have anything internal going on
0: oh my goodness
1: so by the time i was a teenager and i finally left but it was my intuition was pretty much kicked out of me forcefully you know by sure. my my upbringing and um so even though it was there and i had the nagging feeling and the thought would pop in every now and then that i needed to be doing oh, something I different Um, or, you know, then my body would start responding with pain or I would get anxiety. All of that was my intuition talking to me, you know, like getting up in the morning and absolutely dreading going to work. That is your intuition talking That's your body, telling you, Mm -hmm. you don't need to be in this situation anymore. This is not where you belong. And those are the small things that come along that we tend to ignore because we just don't feel like it. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes we don't feel like it and maybe we just need a break, but our body and our intuition is always giving us feedback. Always. Mm -hmm. It never stops.
0: Right. And we're so trained out of even paying attention to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's like celebrated when we ignore it (laughs) I mean, really to that level. So like
1: suck it up. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, suck it up. Everybody feels this way. Suck it up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like,
0: oh, good job you're suffering more. Well done. Right. Cookie, like good.
1: Well, God. I mean, we almost earned privilege and badges for badges of honor for that. And I came from the yeah. IT world. So if you were up all night and you working on a problem, you got a lot of pats on the, on the back, oh, even though man. like you were up all night and you still had to be there at eight in the morning, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? So, um, but we, we get, we do get that uh, recognition for suffering in that way, especially regarding work. Yeah. And work was my life. It really was.
0: Right. Of course. I mean, I mean, that makes sense, like coming from environments of that laundry list of, of traumatic and difficult experiences, work is something you had absolute control over. So you would probably feel right. a lot of empowerment in that,
1: in that space, right? Definitely. Absolutely. Mm. Um, and, you know, work, that work ethic and, and also developing your intellect a lot of times mm. is that response to trauma.
0: Oh, wow. Interesting. Really work ethic and um, mm-hmm. intellect.
1: Well, think about it or, or you, or even neglect. So, um, which is if, trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Trauma. So you, yeah. I, what I have found in working with a lot of people is that somebody who prides themselves on being intelligent, a lot of times they have trauma in their background hmm. and this is what got them attention.
0: Wow. Oh, wow. I'm, Definitely calling me out.
1: That is. <laughs> <laughs> if you're smart, you're gonna get attention. Yep. You know, so yeah, it's, um, it's true too, especially
0: it is. in this in this environment in this culture. Right. And that was that was very true for me, as well. Growing up, it was that kind of like, not let me just be intelligent. Let me display my intelligence. Yes. And that's what mattered, not the intelligence itself. Yes. It was oh, right. look at me. Hey,
1: hey, hi. Hey. <laughs> exactly. Exactly
0: yeah wow and that's what what a what a boon I guess to be able to work with people uh through all these kinds of things because through that you there's no way unavoidably you end up noticing patterns right. you end up noticing like oh wow, well, when people exhibit this type of behavior or belief system or you know, whatever shows up, you're going to notice it a recurring pattern with different perhaps stories or uh, background information things of that things of that nature
1: that's true and the patterns that you noticed first are generally the ones that you have yourself
0: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so real really so real oh
1: <laughs> really so you know and i've worked with clients and i'm thinking you know when you first start coaching at least for me my experience is that i'm like wow and, and, and it's not like, you know, they, they present to you an issue and something they're going through and maybe you have a little bit of judgment going on. Mm. And when I first started coaching, that was really hard for me because I'm thinking, "I would I do that? And yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you, you know, helping them work through that and being able to see yourself in it mm. and and I think that's part of being, you know, fully empathizing. It's being able to empathize fully is to be able to picture yourself making the same choices.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and hmm. go ahead. I was just saying, and also like identifying that it could accurately be choices that you're making and just yeah, not seeing. <laughs>
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And you're always going to attract that person to you that. That is like you in some way, you're vibrationally a match or they wouldn't be there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if if somebody has a, and it, it's flip side of the coin as well. if somebody has a strong vibration of victimhood, then an abuser is going to be a matched vibration for they're both they're both a matched vibration for each other as right. well as victim victim. it's it's a similar similar right. thing that will enter the same space together.
1: Right. And there's nothing that is more powerful um, than coaching to learn who you are. <laughs>
0: mm, really? Yeah. And how so? In what ways?
1: Well, if you think about it, you're attracting the clients that are a vibrational match to you and that you can help them. But yeah. a lot of times, you know, you're not fully done with your learning process yet. Mm. They bring you lessons and, it, you know, th- that are very powerful and you help them through that struggle. And then you learn how to, how you can help yourself in the process. Mm.
0: Wow. Amazing. It's almost like they're, uh, they're, they're mirroring something that you're experiencing and then by helping them in effect, you can help yourself.
1: Right. And I think that mm. we never attract a person that is not meant for us to be connected with.
0: Never. Never. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Huh, amazing. So in what ways has um, going through these kinds of experiences through um, coaching people through this overwhelm? Um, also, you mentioned it was kind of more of a spiritual, spiritual approach as well what's what ways have you found that that's helped your growth process or maybe clarity or something into that effect
1: well part of it is you know a, a client will present with a certain problem mm. and you know the the judgment piece has been really big for me just letting wow. it go mm. and there there are very few very few times now where i am in now I can't say this true. This is true for cutting someone. Someone cutting me off on the highway, but, okay. <laughs> but when I'm in the coach coaching coaching um, uh, relationship, I don't feel judgment at all.
0: Wow! Really? No. Just a light switch.
1: Just it. It's really amazing. I don't feel that at all. And the le- the less judgment that I have in you know the bias, mm. um, and the bias—you you don't even know that bias is there most of the time. Mm, um, that's true. So, th- the more that I can tune into just completely accepting that person where they are and, and and who they are, and the better outcomes we have.
0: Wow! So really, really matching them and seeing them. Where they are instead of uh, what, where you perhaps would have judged where they should be or?
1: Well, so, you know, coming into, I, I think one of the things that's really powerful in the way that I practice coaching is that they always determine the outcome. Mm. They get to decide where they're going to go. And I just ask them questions about how to do that and help them develop a plan and focus on that. And when I initially started the coaching, you know, practice, I had more of my own input.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, I think that you should do this. Well, it's not about me. Yeah. One hundred percent. There is no other relationship that is more than for, for, in my experience, that is so completely focused on you. One hundred percent. If you Mm. get the right coach, that person is focused 100% on you and everything that you need and want and your desires. And they will call you out if they see something that is out of integrity.
0: Right. Which, as you said previously, is where they've asked to go anyway. Right. So it's really still them guiding that almost uh, through you on, on right. some level. Wow. And the
1: biggest, most powerful lesson that I have learned in coaching is. Not to judge myself.
0: Wow. Really?
1: No, that I'm not doing that a hundred percent, but sure, yeah,
0: sure. Yes. Number one, most powerful.
1: Number one. Wow. If you can get out of judgment of yourself, then you won't feel that judgment of others.
0: Mm, wow. It'll just, it'll just carry over.
1: It will. Wow, it does. That's
0: incredible.
1: Because you can't, you can only be what you are with someone else.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Anything
1: else is a facade,
0: Mm, which is just so common anymore. As we talked about earlier, it's that it's that struggle. It's that ignoring the intuition. Yes. And so, for so many people worldwide, not even just this country. So, for so many people worldwide, this facade is is so unconscious. It's just part of who they are. So they think, you know. And there's uh, of course so much enmeshment trauma where their sense of self, their, their boundaries almost don't exist. They're so malleable, you know, they chameleon in every situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I have um, attracted people in relationships that were very much, uh, where they presented themselves to me in one way and it turns out that I did, you know, as the relationship progressed, then um, they were not that person at all. Right. And one of the really powerful things that I also learned in, in working with um, team, like uh, my employees, hmm. I had a number of employees and a person can only hold the facade no more than three to six months for the most, most part. Really? most of the time it starts to crack and break through at, at that three to six month mark Wow! and yeah that's why you should not meet someone and marry them in two weeks <laughs> <laughs>
0: right just in case <laughs> yeah.
1: but really i you know my my best employees were the ones mm. that made it through that six month mark the three marks three month mark is a pretty good indicator but honestly six months. So I, I started doing this process when I hired people as I went through a contracting company and it hired temp employees for six months.
0: Oh, wow. Because of this pattern. Yes. Really, and this was a, this was a, a deliberate choice. Yes. Really incredible. Yes. Wow. To be able to see that and have the insight. That's, that's amazing. Wow. So yeah, so for, for the listeners out there, if you're meeting people in any kind of situation, three to six months is a great indicator of not only the people you're meeting, but perhaps even yourself. If you find yourself altering the way you are and some sort of mask slipping after a certain length of time around people, perhaps that's another wake-up call.
1: Exactly, exactly. And it, it's, it's so amazing how the the lessons that you learn by watching other people Mm. if you're open and willing to see yourself in them and most of the time we're not willing to see ourselves in them but we're we're only sitting in judgment of them i would never do that can you believe that she did that oh my gosh and, you know, you've got to call the first person. Do you know that, that person I work <laughs> with and I told you about her? Well, you know what she did. So, yeah, but, yeah. you know, put yourself in that position. And, you know, what what are they doing? Why are they doing it? What is that, that motivation that you don't know about, uh, you know? And do you really know them? Or are you passing judgment based on what other people have said? And... Yeah. So that judgment is a big, big, big thing. We will never be able to live peacefully if we have mm, judgment.
0: So true. And it's scary, though, isn't it? To to not judge, we feel we feel vulnerable when we do that. When we see someone else, and to see those flaws in ourselves is terrifying, and very yeah. difficult to admit sometimes.
1: It is difficult, but there's a fine line between judgment and discernment
0: Ooh. oh interesting
1: so being mm. discerning and having a discerning eye and a, and being able to discern the truth is much different than mm. judgment discernment keeps you open judgment mm. shuts you down
0: it does doesn't it? it also closes mm. down another person right you're now mm. this is it you're going i'm judging you as this thing and you can be nothing else
1: Right. Right. Mm. And, you know, I had a situation like this where there was uh, a new employee that came in and he was very capable, very capable. He was so fantastic. And, and, you know, I could see how well he was doing in his job, but he came in just and he had a lot of experience and he was just blowing it up. And Mm. the other employees felt really um, I guess they were. He was showing them up.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah.
1: You know, and they they felt like their value was going down, mm-hmm. and they were, you know, he he's cheating. He's not doing things the way he's supposed to, and um, but he'd only been there a short time, so they didn't really know him. Right. So <laughs> I created uh, pod groups for my team. Okay. And all of the people that were complaining about this person, I put them in the pod group with this person. Really? I did. Genius. <laughs> so, 3 months after that, they were like the best of friends. Really? <laughs> Cuz they were able to really understand and, right. you know, the the team really grew from that.
0: Oh, wow. Amazing. Wow. To have the foresight to do that. That's impressive. (laughs) It's hard to,
1: again, again, that was when I really started. So I was very much in, I love working with people in teams, Mm. building teams. That was my favorite thing to do in the corporate world. Oh, really? I loved it. I loved it. And there's this sense of flow that I have in building teams and, Mm. and the different personalities and how they may work together. And, um, so I just followed my instincts and say, you know, and, and also if I was really focusing on my own judgment of myself at that time. Sure. So what, and illumination eliminates judgment in my opinion. Mm. Oh, and wow. by having them work together, they were illuminated about who he was and his style and, And they're still friends today. It's really funny. Really? They don't even know I did this, so I hope they're not listening. (laughs) (laughs) But if they hear it, they'll know who they are. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Yeah, gosh, who was it? I I believe, I'm probably misquoting the person, but that's okay. I think it was Abraham Lincoln um, that would say, um, you know, I don't don't like that person. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. So I should get to know him better,
1: Mm,
0: you know, recognizing that judgment very early in in his own experience saying like, wow, that guy sucks. Okay, I should I should be near him. I should know I should really sit there and have a conversation, get to know that person. And I feel like it's it's so hard to take that extra step. It's true. Beyond that, especially with how just how divisive everything is in the world right now. I mean truly the split down several different categories and they just name them um, in the world right now is, it's a cataclysm. I mean, the split is just so, so massive between people. So how, how do we judge people who we've completely, how how do we stop judging people who we've already completely made our minds up about?
1: Well, we, we use discernment instead Mm. because And, 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 you know, for what's going on uh, publicly and through the media is um, what I've learned is don't trust the media at all.
0: (laughs) Blanket blanket statement.
1: (laughs) You know, just, it's never going to be exactly the way that it's being presented. And and part of the, one of the lessons that I learned in the corporate world is that many, many times we as a management team and the executive team who I supported was um, presented to the employees and there were what, 5,000 employees where I was. Oh, wow. um, we presented to those employees many times a different face based on what you know, their agenda was for the, for the company.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So being in that environment and knowing that, you know, well, number one, you're not allowed to say anything to the employees as, you know, as a leader, you can't do this and you can't do that. And then you, you, but you can't share with them this information of where it's going to go. So you've got to present this face instead. Really. So what is the, you know, what is the United States? It's, it's just a corporation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just a macro so it's, just a,
1: it's a really big one. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. from my experience, I have always assumed, always assumed that mm. we're not getting the full picture because of that experience that I had, you know, knowing that we're nice. not getting the full picture. So always assume that you're not going getting the full picture and you are the only person you can control and have control over is mm-hmm. yourself.
0: Absolutely you can't it
1: it, and you can some people you're not going to be there. They don't live in integrity. Yeah. And you've got to be discerning enough to know whether you should try to bridge the gap Mm. or leave them alone. And you know, their energy if when you connect with someone they're open and they're willing or do they shut you down or can you can you really understand the that there's pain behind what's going on sure you know so look for the pain there's always pain and if you can be understanding of that and it brings the intensity of the relationship down or there there's the willingness Mm
0: -hmm. to meet yeah
1: then that is what closes the divide but some people are not willing to do that and and that discernment is what's important to really develop
0: it is and and i love that that you were talking about like pay attention to the openness and you know look for pain because all forms of attack are a call for help every time across the board now that person's probably not aware of, of said call for help, um, but on an energetic level, that's what's going on, however many layers down, you know, they're just this scared little kid that is still going through some sort of immense experience that reminds them of that trauma, and they'll be damned if they let themselves be vulnerable again, so mm-hmm. they're going to fight, they're going to put up these, these walls, and they're going to come at you, or who, you know, whoever is, is they, they perceive is in their way. Um, something I really noticed during this whole divisive world that we're in now, um, I, try to, I try to talk with people uh, you know, of every background and just learn, just ask questions. And I notice a lot of them really believe that their very existence, survival, actual, actual existential um, reality on earth is threatened. Mm. Um, they believe they were born in the wrong era, or that, that everything that they know, uh, which perhaps is, is blue collar work or what have you, is being threatened to be removed with automation and, and all these kinds of things. And they feel like their not only survival, but heritage, everything they've known, perhaps several generations, their entire way of life and their entire community's way of life is being threatened. And so, like you said, if you can see that pain, they're coming from a completely different point. At least you can be when when having a conversation with somebody like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it it, it leaves clues. Mm. Uh, and I think part of it is you know, um, there was once a person that I worked with who very much had to be the center of attention all the time, mm. and. Um, people really targeted this person a lot Uh, Mm and picked picked on picked on them. And, you know, they they did um, practical jokes and um, pictures of the person with devil horns all over the department and um, and You know what I saw from that is like what is going on internally with this person that they would attract this type of behavior. Well Great question. They were a jerk for for one thing. Well that's a start, okay. Okay, that's that's a start. And (laughs) would call people out publicly and point out their flaws. So but when I had an opportunity to work with this person, I found that they were very deeply insecure, yeah. very, very deeply insecure, and in desperate need of attention. And, you know, most people, all that they could see of this person was the outward behavior. Yeah. But once I was put in that position to be able to sit and work and, and to see, you know, that person also has value. And there there are so many so much there's so much pain that hasn't been healed
0: yeah yeah always and especially when it in that particular example that is they just want validation constant totally constantly begging for it
1: and and i think that you know i was reading um the characteristics of a narcissist recently and i'm thinking oh wow that sounds like me oh wow oh really <laughs> <laughs> but you know and, and I really well, do I honestly think I'm a narcissist no I don't but I'm thinking right. so I have been known to do some of these things so we can there we are so there's so many facets to our personalities mm.
0: oh, so many
1: and being aware of who you are and what you want to be and having that internal guiding force uh, that integrity is so important because if you don't have that, you can go off the rails.
0: <laughs> easily.
1: So easily. yeah. You know, why did I do that? Why did I do that?
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. And, and talking about the multifaceted uh, aspects of all of us, um, I've been researching trauma and how it affects the human psyche um, quite a mm-hmm. bit over the last, I don't know, year or two. Or how I, I lose track of time. But it's really been a, a huge focus of mine and understanding that What happens is when we're, um, you know, ignored or traumatized in some way or, you know, neglected, you know, the range is nearly infinite. What happens is when we're a child, we are absolutely dependent on our caregivers, whoever that may be. And in that space, we fully cognize that without our caregivers, we're dead. Yes. So if we have any disapproval from them, we literally think it's a threat to our very lives. We right. think that means we're going to die. So and to be supported by our caregivers, we need to be good. And so the opposite of good is bad. So if we do something and they say we're bad, I'm like, well, I need approval. I need to be good to survive just life. So I'm going to push away this part of me that's bad. Well. Right. It's still a part of you, so you can't really push it away, can you? And so what happens is a split. Yes. You literally just get split in half, and then it happens again and again and again and again. And so as you said, what happens is all of us, the world over, because everyone's been socialized, which means traumatized (laughs) (laughs) across the board, is we're all walking around with multiple personalities. We all have bits and pieces that come out in different scenarios. We all have an ugly side an angry side a happy side a beautiful side and to limit ourselves to being only one thing or pretending that we're only expressing one thing we therefore have to shut down the other parts right
1: right right and 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 i think that really was the beginning of my journey is seeing how fragmented i was Mm. and I'm this completely different person at home than I am at work and right, at work right. I am just this vibrant focused happy person and when I get home I'm a bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know so yeah. and I'm, I'm not happy about anything and right. you know, I'm tired and leave me alone and of course I wasn't that way all the time but part of it that was exhaustion frankly yeah. but um You know, and I'm thinking, why am I so different? Mm. Why am I so different? Part of it was the control. Because at work, I was in charge of people. I was in control and I could direct it where I wanted it to go. And I didn't feel that way at home with a partner who wasn't very supportive.
0: Mm, Of course.
1: And I felt like I was um, in this vortex of out of control, spinning, spinning, spinning. Yeah. So, and I think part of that, you know, my, my personality at home was different because of, because of that. But I really began to, you know, how, what kind of person am I spiritually and emotionally and what, how am I at home versus work? And, you know, if, Mm. with my clients and my customers and um, so I really started thinking what can integrate all of those. And mm-hmm. for me, I discovered it was a healing trauma. Yeah. That's the core. That's where your integrity comes from where it comes is mm-hmm. that, and if your core if your foundation and the structure of, of who you are emotionally is not sound, you will never know who you are outside of that.
0: Right. Absolutely, as you said, it's the foundation yes. which everything else will crumble no matter how many times you rebuild it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, goodness. So you found through through healing trauma this this reintegration of these of these parts, this sort of uh this wholeness. Yes. Sort of came came through that. Yes. Amazing. And that's and has that been part of your, your healing journey
1: then? The biggest part of my healing journey has been acknowledgement of the emotions mm, that oh, I felt. Huge. Because huge. I was, uh, I remember once I got a little teared up and my at work and my manager looked at me and he said, there's no crying in IT. Oh no. And I'm like, okay. Oh <laughs> so, no, no. So, mostly probably because it made him feel uncomfortable, but, you know, um, we're we're taught not to address emotions, especially with, you know, having grown up in a a church, a a Christian fundamentalist cult. Yeah, um, cult is. We were not allowed to have feelings apart from what the church told us that we were to have and And it didn't matter, and you know my mother would you know she would like children are to be seen and not heard and um oh wow, that's just, and she was she was young, she was a teen mother, she was sixteen when she had me.
0: oh goodness,
1: and wow. um, so she was just mirroring what she had learned in in fifties, so uh, and what helped me through trauma is really fully acknowledging how I'm feeling and expressing it. It's not just the acknowledgement of it. You have to be able to say it
0: mm, really
1: you have to be able to say it and you have to be able to express it. Mm. And even if that is, you know, you, I, I think I had stuffed down my feelings and my emotions for so many years. Right. I actually developed like a, a throat tumor
0: whoa it was
1: benign but it was there nonetheless and i felt all wow. of this emotion right there and it sure. my throat would ache it would ache especially after like an argument or a fight with my really uh, significant other yes
0: wow that direct of a correlation that direct amazing yes oh, the energy is just bottled up there oh my it goodness. is
1: and i couldn't i couldn't say i i I, it wasn't safe to say it, it, it was, um, and you know, he wouldn't have listened anyway, (laughs) you know, and and really getting to that place where I said it, no matter what, even if it caused conflict. Yeah. Even and and of course in therapy, you know, uh, I went to therapy just, and I remember my therapist wanted to do EMDR, which I really believe in. Mm. Um, But I'm like, no, I've (laughs) got to (laughs) talk. I've got to talk. Literally. I just, I have to talk. I've got to talk. I have to talk.
0: So you said that you learn to say it even when conflict arises. Yes, And we explored earlier that our, you know, our inner child and, and that sort of part of us is terrified of conflict because yes. to the child self, that means death. So how do we reconcile that? How do we say it anyway?
1: Well, I mean, you have to be strong enough to be able to accept the consequences.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah.
1: And if, if you're not prepared for the consequences, it's going to be much harder to say it.
0: Sure. Of course.
1: Because, you know, if you have been in a relationship where you've never expressed your true feelings for years and years, mm. or if you have and they haven't been heard, right, then it's going to be much harder for you to express. And, um, and for me, I expressed, I just was never, I was never heard. Mm. So expressing that in a way that supported me um, didn't, Necessarily mean that I was being validated or, or heard of course and that's yeah. when a therapist really makes a difference mm-hmm. and friends, and you know frankly your all of your emotional needs should not be met by your significant other anyway yeah
0: yeah of course you, know,
1: you have friends and and um, you know people that can support you outside of that, and that's healthy yeah. because that's too much of a burden for one person
0: it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we, as you said earlier, we're so multifaceted that it would be nearly impossible to get all of our emotional needs through one outlet. Right. Because we have different interests and needs and desires and different things.
1: And I think relationships are set up that way for us to yeah. think about this is where we're going to get all of our needs met, but it really doesn't happen that way in reality. Oh,
0: you think they are?
1: Well, They're I think that way. historically-
0: Mm, I see. I, wow.
1: I think we are taught, at least of my generation, mm. you know, we're taught that we're going to get married, we're going to have children, and oh. you know, our Fair spouse you know. is going to be the primary. You know, they're going to take care of everything that we need, and um, and of course, that was my upbringing too in the church.
0: Ah, right. Of course, the combination so, of both.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so. But I think too, as young people in, in connection and going into relationships, we mistakenly think that that person is gonna be the one for us forever.
0: Yeah, yeah, and especially that can very easily turn into codependency. Yes. Where, you know, essentially could be defined as I'm going to focus on your needs and abandon my own. You focus on mine and abandon yours and it'll be fine. Yeah, Of course, that's never fine yeah. <laughs> ever. Never. <laughs> Never. Wow. And so you went through, I mean, what, a again, these layers of processes that you mm-hmm. had to, had to overcome. You not only were attempting to express yourself, you were expressing yourself and yes. then not being heard on top yeah. of that, which is like 10 times harder than just like, oh, I just won't say that because then you can find a way to say it someday and then maybe it's heard. But to do it anyway is, it would almost be gaslighting on some level to say like, are you not, like, <laughs> I'm saying words. Wow.
1: Well, and so I learned to, to speak whatever my truth was mm. in a way that didn't blame the other person.
0: Ooh, that's golden.
1: And it, that wasn't easy, especially because that person was not equipped to hear me. Right. Right because of their own trauma and issues and, yeah. you know, so speaking your truth and your, you know, it, it sounded much like, um, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I'm going to go away for the weekend, for instance. Sure. Yeah. And I know that it's going to be inconvenient for you to be here alone with the kids all weekend, but I really need this and I'm going to go. And I've already arranged it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to let you know and maybe oh my gosh i can't believe you're doing this again and, and 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 that's okay i i know that it's going to be inconvenient for you but i really need this for myself and i'm going to do it wow so it was really learning how to assert my needs in that way mm-hmm. and when you do that it, an interesting shift happens and people start to respect your needs more
0: really mm-hmm. Wow, because our biggest fear is that's the exact opposite of what will happen. Right. We'll say right. anyway, nothing happens, and it or they'll, you know, some sort of abandonment fear or something, and and they respect your needs. Further. They do, and really? setting
1: settings, good solid boundaries. Ah, oh, huge. It protects you. It hmm. protects you. And it it tells people, it teaches people how to treat you. Mm.
0: So what, so what would you say is a boundary, I guess, in terms of just a, a basic understanding of what they are?
1: Well, that is a boundary. You know, the, the, this, I'm doing this and it's for me and it's for my needs and I need this okay, okay. and I'm gonna do it and I'm sorry that you're upset about it, but I have to do it for my own well-being.
0: Okay, right.
1: Um, a boundary is, always has consequences.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So okay, sure. you know that really the consequences there. You know what? What if he'd refused to stay home and and be with the kids? Right. And you know I would have found a babysitter. Well, well then I'm going to pay for a babysitter and
0: yeah.
1: You know whatever. Um,
0: yes.
1: Yeah. And I never had that that happen. Hmm. But a boundary is you know it. I, if you drink too much at the party then I'm going to, you're going to have to take an Uber home. <laughs> I'm leaving. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's a boundary. <laughs> it's another boundary. With a consequence.
0: Right, right.
1: Or, so you know, it, it could be anything. It could be, yeah. it could be, it can be very simple to very complex. And, you know, that if you're with someone who regularly drinks so much, you probably need to think about that. But, yeah. I mean, that's a good example of a, a boundary. A boundary is... Meant to protect you, but make sure that it's not unhealthy. Make sure it is for your real well-being. Genuine. Not manipulation.
0: Ooh, okay. Right. Because then, well, then that's encroaching on someone else's boundaries. Right. Right, okay. So I'm hearing this. So a boundary is just this, this sort of thing, and like you said, it could be almost anything. That is really your sense of what I'm okay with what I'm not okay with what I need what you know, my preferences are and moving forward with because the the range seems to be pretty huge in all these ways. But it's really this kind of this um, almost identifying with with who you are and who you're not.
1: You know, on yeah, way. yeah. So and, and think about it. What is a boundary really in, in literal terms?
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it, yeah, it's causing a it's a border of some kind,
1: mm-hmm, <laughs> you
0: mm-hmm. know, around something. It's a,
1: a, a dividing line, right. a, a borderline, um, and you know, it's a clear line in like relationships, um, and it's critical to like reducing stress and 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 you have to have really clear, solid boundaries mm. within. All of your relationships, it it protects your personal self. Mm. Um, and a boundary really is like. Um, let me let me just think of something here for me that has happened. Um, so my significant other would really liked cleaning. He, he really likes cleaning. So he cleans a lot, but he likes to clean my space and I hate it.
0: Mm.
1: And for years I never said anything. And, you know, then I'm like, you know, this is my space and I don't want you to clean my space. I like my space a little messy cause I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm messy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, um, so you know, I'm like, I, I really appreciate it. If you just don't clean that anymore. Well, guess what? It really upsets him not to be organized. So he cleans it anyway. And, um, you know, just don't do that. Don't do that for, for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm like, if you do this again, then I'm going to, I'm going to move out of the bedroom.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's a consequence now, you know, and, it didn't actually get to that point, but I'm like, I can't stand for you to clean my space. Well, why haven't you ever said anything about it before? And I'm like, well, I (laughs) should (laughs) have.
0: We're we're working through it. Okay. I'm trying.
1: (laughs) But boundaries are so problematic because where do we learn boundaries? I mean, we learn boundaries in our families and, and, you know, our peer groups and if someone encroaches or, doesn't have boundaries for us, then, then we're unhappy either way.
0: Mm-hmm. And so many people have very undefined boundaries themselves. And as you said, we learn through example of those people closest to us in mm-hmm. family and friends and in any kind of any of those sorts of settings. And it would be hard to decipher. Well, well, nobody has boundaries. What are, what even is that? <laughs> you know,
1: and it's a, it's a responsibility. So who am I? Mm. And, You know, what am I responsible for? What are you responsible for? Right. So, and, you know, you get into when you start, when the boundary lines are blurred, then that's when codependence can happen, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've witnessed and experienced that myself. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I'd probably be able to confirm that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Well, you have been through such an incredible story. I'm so happy to hear that you have made the progress that you have, that you help the people that you have and continue to help. And yeah, I really hope that everything continues to, to move forward. So if you were to leave us on just one note, something that you find interesting or a really important thing for you to uh, uh, really point out, or something that you're passionate about, anything of that nature? What would you leave us on?
1: I think that is, there's always hope. Mm. There's Mm. always hope. There's always growth. And in one moment you can be sad and depressed and the next something fantastic can happen and it can change your whole life. Mm. But then in that next moment, you can be sad and depressed (sighs) again. So just remember that it's a process and it's like a clock.
0: Hmm.
1: And the emotional process is for me, and this is what I you know, tell my children and I told them when they were young, is that, that hand, the 12, the, the, the big hand goes around the clock and it crashes and that's where you feel your worst. But time is always moving, so it's always ticking Back up to the twelve. Hmm. So remember that, and no matter how bad it seems, and I've had many bad experiences in my life, hmm. but I've always come through with the belief that I'm going to come through.
0: Wow! And so you do. <laughs>
1: yes. And wow. you will. Yeah. And you will, and it, and no matter what, even if you don't believe it, it time. Even though it's an illusion, it still moves forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Forever forward. And so do and we.
1: There will be someone that comes along that supports you. There yeah. will. True. You just have to keep searching and keep looking and keep knowing in your heart.
0: Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Susan, thank you so much.
1: Thank this you for is, having me.
0: Oh, this has been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you so much.